you know, because everyone's road to wherever it is that they end up is, it has their similarities, but it also has the differences. And I think the benefit of hearing, you know, all the different stories about how people got to where they are is to see how, how similar their road is, but also how different it is and how you can take, uh, you can you can take lessons from other people's journey and apply it to yours. What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show, I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors, and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges, and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer, and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. Street photography combines curiosity and observation with personality. Many photographers choose to be a fly on the wall, documenting the different speeds of life in their environment. This approach is less intimidating and there's no need to interact with people if you don't want to. Our guest in this episode chooses to focus on strangers in the street and sees his interactions as an opportunity to connect with more people. His experience as a television reporter trained him to approach strangers with confidence, which allows him to photograph almost anyone he meets with minimal resistance. He is an Emmy-nominated journalist turned photographer whose sense of style is as memorable as the photos he makes. Naeem Douglas, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How you feeling out there, bro? I'm feeling wonderful. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, no doubt, bro. No doubt. Thank you for uh, making some time to speak with us, man. So, Naeem, bro, tell us, where are you calling from right now? I, I'm calling from Brooklyn, and and that is a play on... Brooklyn and Philadelphia. I'm a child of Philadelphia, but I've been here in Brooklyn now for going on maybe 16, 17 years. Okay, so that's pretty. It's a pretty substantial amount of time. But if you say you're calling from Brooklyn, Delphia, <laughs> but you're currently in oh, Brooklyn, right, 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 right. But I'm currently. I got some Brooklyn, questions right. about that, bro. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Brooklyn. All right, all right, but no, um, that's dope. That uh, you know, I saw on your site that. There's a term you go by, Brooklyn, right? So you mm -hmm. just broke it down really simply. You know, you're a child of Philadelphia, but you're in Brooklyn. But why does it, why does it mean something for you to still associate yourself with Philadelphia and Brooklyn? Well, well, first off, I mean, you know, you you, you can't help where you you're from, so or where you're born, and so I embrace being from a city with so much history, so much culture, uh, Philadelphia I'm talking about. And I've been here in Brooklyn for so long that I also feel like I am a part of the, the culture here. And it's funny, uh, some people, when I tell them how long I've been here in New York, they'll say, oh, oh well, you, you know, you're a New Yorker now. And I always hesitate to say that because I know born and raised New Yorkers, and that's not who... That's who I think of as New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. So I never quite want to, I never write, you know, never really want to own like, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. It's just that I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to respect the, uh, respect the natives. And I've been here a long time. Uh, typically the people who come here, 
to, to you know call New York home. They stay for about three or four or five years, mm-hmm. and then they you know move on to something else. But uh, you know Brooklyn bit me, and I'm I'm here to stay. I mean, either they move on or New York moves them on. You know what I mean? Exactly. You got it. You and, got it. You know, um, and Philadelphia is a tough city, right? Not I, it I don't is mean very as tough. far as crime and things like that, right? Even though there's still, mm-hmm. I mean, any big city, you're going to find some of that, right? Um, but right. tough as far as, like, the people itself just have a lot of grit. And you'll, you'll mm-hmm. have people who, who just work hard, you know, enjoy watching their, their games or whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a lot of personality and character. And what I really love about Philly also is um, how much that city respects the arts, they respect the music, oh, the musicians. They respect. It's almost like a northeastern New Orleans. You know what I mean? Um, wow, I love to hear that. That's great. I, I haven't heard that kind of comparison, but you're, you you nailed it, bro. I was in Philadelphia back in my music days, and uh, mm-hmm. I saw this dude playing the trumpet on the street. He was crushing it. So I stopped. Me and my homie stopped. We listened. Uh, throw a couple dollars in there. He had like candy. He was offering candy and gum and mints right. and all types right. of stuff. It was basically an experience. So um, fast forward a few years, I'm walking through Times Square and I see a brother playing the trumpet, had the same kind of setup, offering candy and all that gum and all that stuff. And I'm like, bro, you wouldn't happen to be from Philly, right? He was like, yeah, man, I just come to New York to 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 play just the same way I do out there, and I was like, bro, I I I saw you on the block, I saw you on the That's block wild. a few years ago, and now he he was in New York, and I was like, that just to me speaks to I love to hear the 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 strong culture of both of these cities. So it makes sense why mm-hmm. you would, you know, adopt the term Brooklyn Delphian. And and I would take that a little bit uh, further and say that it. It is specific to, or at least in in my experience, it's very specific to, now that I'm about to say this out loud, maybe I want to say it a little bit differently, but the Brooklyn and Philadelphia kind of comparison to me, mm. uh, they have, they share a lot of similarities. Brooklyn is a, is a borough of neighborhoods, uh, just the same way that Philly is a city of neighborhoods. You can, you can live in certain parts of Philly and legit never see the outside of your neighborhood. And that's just, that, that can be the same thing here mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. And and Brooklyn uh and Brooklynites are very quick to remind you that they're from Brooklyn and yes. not from New York. Where you're like, oh you know you're from New York. It's like, no no, no no, I'm from I'm, I'm yeah. from Brooklyn. So uh I think that kind of pride in where you're from is is something that Philadelphians and Brooklynites share and i I find that commonality between the two places absolutely and personality is everything when it comes to uh being a photographer right Mm -hmm. you know i I, I mean i I always imagine like and i'm sorry um i I had this thought though um i always imagine like what comes first right is it our experiences growing up that help to inform our eye and how we see the world Mm because photographers all we're doing is pressing a button or at a time when we feel like this is something that's the most important moment that's happening at that moment when I'm pressing the shutter, right? It's just like mm-hmm. how we see the world and we just want to freeze that mm-hmm. precise moment. But what comes 100%. first? Is it our upbringing, our experiences, or that make us who we are as photographers? Or are we photographers first and 
Oh, man, I, I'm, it's hard to it's hard to to uh, to to get at. I but think I like, get what you're saying. It, it's like what 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 makes what and I'm not inspired you, but what gives you the eye to kind of see the world through yes. the lens that you see it through? Is that yes. kind of what you're yes, saying? Yes, yes, exactly. I I think it's a I think it's a mix of well, one if I if I knew the answer to that, good grief, I'd be writing books and I'd have the answers to to everything. But uh, I think it's a little mix of, of all of that because uh, I remember, uh, and and I'm not even sure if this ever even aired or aired or published or, or whatnot, but years ago, there was somebody who came to my block in Philly who did like a newspaper story on, I lived on, uh, I lived on a small street in West Philly who was doing some kind of thing, uh, some kind of article and he was like going around talking to people and he had a photographer there and he was taking pictures and whatnot. And I just remember being like, wow, that's a, that's, that's, that's cool. Like that, that's a cool job. Like you saw the uh, photographer and you thought that what he was doing yeah, was cool. Yeah, I saw the photographer and I thought that was, a, I thought that was cool. But I also saw the, the reporter mm -hmm. and thought that that was cool. Those, that experience, I was like, oh man, that's, that's cool. You mm -hmm. document this, you, you know, you're talking to people, you're out. You're not in the office. I just remember, you know, being like, oh, that's a cool, you know, cool job to have and whatnot. And then, um, you know, I just got got lucky with, you know, the time that I was growing up in that I, you know, was somewhat, well, first off, I was bad at every other kind of art. So I wasn't good at drawing. Um, I'm, I'm not very good at painting. Uh, I'm not, you know, a wordsmith. I'm, I can't sing. So... You know, my last resort was all right. Let me pick up this. Uh, let me pick up this camera and see what I can and see what I can do with that. And and so far, so far, so good. I mean, you know, with with any kind of craft, you have to. It's something that you are continually getting, trying to get better at and whatnot. But you know, I think uh, I think I'm okay with it. And I think the reason why I gravitated toward it was because of a number of different kind of factors and and where I was growing up and what time I was growing up and just the th different things that I saw. So it sounds like you knew there was some sort of art, some sort of creative gene in you that you needed to express. You just didn't know what uh, most, it was until definitely. you found photography. It, uh, you nailed it. Most definitely. I mean, I, I, uh, in the little neighborhood that I grew up in, there were a few people there that, uh, you hear these uh, cautionary tales of you know, you know, wasted talent. You know, in the Bronx tale, that's what that's what C's dad was always uh, talking about, or C either C's dad or, or 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 the lobster in the movie was always talking about don't be wasted talent. Mm -hmm. And I I always thought of myself as like I'm not as there were some people in my neighborhood that could that could draw really well. Um, there's a friend of mine that he has passed but a friend of mine who was growing up who he could draw anything i mean you put something in front of him and he could just do it like it was almost a like the different kind of the tiktoks and instagrams you see with people like doing mm -hmm. these time lapse mm -hmm. of drawings and whatnot and i immediately knew that that's something that i can't do um there was another uh few people in the neighborhood that were incredibly athletic uh you know, I was fast. I ran track in high school, but I wasn't particularly that great at football or basketball or anything like that. Um, I wasn't uh, that great at, at poetry or writing. I mean, okay at writing, 
but it was the it was the camera where I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, and I think I can I think I can do it. But I never honestly took it very serious until until I was an adult. I think I was always tiptoeing around the art form, you know, as a teenager and in college and things like that. And it wasn't until uh, yeah, like being an adult that I really took it very serious as a as an art form and also as a possible career path. I mean, keep it real. I think almost any art or any artist is it's sometimes hard for us to imagine doing this art as a profession because it feels like a fake job. It doesn't feel right. real. It doesn't feel fair sometimes, right? Because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it, I mean, obviously I love photography. I love taking pictures. But there's so many mm-hmm. other hard jobs that are that people have to do. And mm-hmm. sometimes when I get to step back and, and and I I see that I'm able to make money, make a career out of photography, it doesn't feel real. And for a long part of my I think career, it's a little bit of that. Right? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, a long, long part of my journey on in, in photography is sort of just making it up in my mind like, yo, this is real and I can do this. I can actually make a living doing this. It's just hard. It was hard for my brain to settle on the fact that this can be a reality. Yeah. Uh, and, and tell me how you feel about this. Uh, I think of that, of that often, uh, where, you know, I can't quite imagine, you know, you're, I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm on a job and I'm taking photos and it's, they're paying me for it. But I, I think of how wild of scenario that is because you don't necessarily think that that is something that is feasible. But then I also tell, I also deal with imposter syndrome where I'm thinking that there's no way that my stuff is good enough that somebody it, it, it's it always is shocking to me that uh, that somebody would pay either for print that somebody would pay for you know at the time or like want me to come cover their event I'm always grateful for it and. You know, in hindsight, of course, uh, I mean, I, I do this, so why wouldn't they? But, you know, every, every now and then, or I would say probably in every every gig, it's always just thought of like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm getting paid to, mm-hmm. to do this, and people think that I'm good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, when you were in Philly as a child, you were able to see a reporter and a photographer combination, and... Mm-hmm. Maybe even at that time, I don't know where you were as far as the arts were concerned or if you had already had your eye on photography or cameras, but still seeing that this, that this was a job that somebody can do, I'm sure that planted a seed in your head that sprouted later on in your life. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a, try to give you a quick little rundown mm-hmm. of, of kind of how I got to talking to you now on a podcast about photography. So uh, (laughs) it started with uh, years and years ago, maybe in middle school, I think with middle school, I had started a newspaper for my block. And I think if you were to kind of equate that to what somebody would do today, it's kind of like I started a blog for my neighborhood kind of a thing. Got it. And so I would, I would walk around my neighborhood to write stories. I mean, I, while I, I, that I wasn't that great at writing. 
I could put an article together. I could put a computer few sentences together. So I figured, okay, I'll write, I'll write stories about my neighborhood. I'll write a story about the block camp and I'll write a story about this business around the corner. Um, I even would take notes on the pickup basketball games <laughs> in my neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and like do stats and everything. And as funny as the, uh, the guys there would, would be looking at me like, what, what in the world, what are you doing, dude? Like, why are you asking me how many rebounds I had or, or stuff like that? But what's, mm-hmm. what's funny is once I, I put all that together, uh, and, and, and I snuck my dad, uh, my dad used to work at, at an office in, in Philly. And so I would sneak in and make copies, uh, like the copy machine. I would write it by hand and then make copies of this newspaper and then, you know, give them out to the people on the block. They would give me donations to like buy paper and things like that. But once, uh, but once they saw what I was doing or once some of the people in the neighborhood saw what I was doing, they were, they were on board like, Oh man, that's cool. Um, you know, uh, you should go and talk to this lady around the corner. She has this cool, you know, fill in the blank or whatever. Um, so I thought I was going to be a reporter. Mm. So I, I was, I was dived headfirst into, into journalism. You know, I majored in that in high school and in college. Uh, I worked at a few different news organizations, you know, doing, you know, news stories on TV as a reporter and whatnot. And it kind of got burnt out from that. And during the time that I was a reporter, a TV news reporter, I was taking photos and kind of honing my craft as far as like, you know, how to tell a story with, with pictures. And the first couple of jobs I had in TV involved the reporter also being the person who was the videographer. So I was also kind of getting some, some on the job training with how to compose a shot the right way, how to compose mm-hmm. a um, interview the right way and tell a story with video, which really does translate to photography and whatnot. So then I got kind of burnt out of, of that and was able to kind of fit, try and figure out what I wanted to do. And photography was right there. And so I, you know, started getting some gigs here and there with taking pictures either for, you know, taking pictures for people or, uh, you know, selling prints and whatnot. And then one day I get a call from where I work at now. I get a call from MoMA who says that they are interested in joining their creative team. Took that gig. And now I do a little bit of both. I take pictures for different features and whatnot for uh, MoMA.org and different kinds of events that MoMA might have that might be kind of good enough for for something to be, you know, written up online about. And uh, and I also take pictures on the side for, you know, everyone here in uh, in New York who wants to hire me. <laughs> and yeah, so that's my that's my biography about how I got and how I got to. All right. So guys. so you do something that most guests do and I love it, right? Because you know, you went into like this sort of accelerated story of how you got to where you are, right? And it's it's hard mm-hmm. to it's hard to kind of summarize our our journey and how we got to where we are, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. So right. there's a few gaps. There's always a few gaps that I like to go back and try to <laughs> fill in the blanks, right? So, okay, all right. Um, so you mentioned that you you started this, you know, um, blog in a sense, community blog, right? But it was actually printed mm-hmm. out, and you would sneak in to your father's uh, where, you, where, you, where your father worked and make prints, mm-hmm. and then go back and give them out or sell them, right? Um, did you sneak mm-hmm. in with your without your father knowing or did your father help sneak you in 
Like that's that's a I, I want to get some clarity around that. Um, Let me see. All right, it's it's been it's been twenty some years, so the statute of limitations is over. So <laughs> so we can talk about it, right? Um, no, you know what the what's funny is I would go with him because he would go in. So he was the my dad. He's since retired now, but he was a district attorney for Philadelphia, um, prosecuting. Uh, he he was on the he's on the good side of of prosecuting mm. prosecuting people who. Um, like domestic violence uh, people who commit domestic violence against their spouses, mm-hmm. um, rape cases and things like that, sexual assault and things like that. He was putting away the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And so he went, a lot of times he would come, go in on the weekend. And so I would just be like, hey, oh, okay, I'll go with you. And I think he kind of was like, you do? I'm like, okay, whatever, all right, come on. And so then while he'd be working, I would just kind of sneak off and make the copies. And so then one day he comes in the copy room. <laughs> it's so funny because copy rooms don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this, this is like a little space that has a copy machine and a ton of paper. And he comes in, he sees all of the pages laid out and everything. <laughs> it's like, what are you? He's like, what are you doing in here? Like, what's going on? And I explained to him, I said, oh, well, I got this newspaper and I've been doing and I get and I, you know, I gave it to him. And I could see his wheels turning like, oh, this is actually, this is, okay, all right, well, you're in here with me, you're not outside, ripping and running, or mm-hmm. doing something doing something goofy on the streets. Mm-hmm. And so then he said, all right, well, you could just ask me, I would have let you do it. And so then he would like, ask, I think we did it maybe once a month. He was like, you know, you need, some, you need some copies for your paper, you know, you can come on a weekend with me. So, so first it was, it was a covert operation, but once my dad figured me out, but my not so covert, mm-hmm. uh, covert operation going on, he helped me out and, and, you know, helped me get copies of it and everything. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. And I yeah. love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, what's really interesting, right? Is, you know, your father's a district attorney. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of like the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Like you were pursuing the arts. It's all right brain thinking, right? It's uh, it's not as analytical. It has its, its moments, right? But you know, your right. father pursued a, a, a career that was a lot more logistical, analytical, and you pursued a career that was more creative and a little bit more loose. And your father mm-hmm. supported that, and didn't kind of like try yeah. to usher. And I mean, from what I hit, sounds like didn't usher you into like doing what he's doing or doing something in in you know the social justice type of um industries right you know what i i think that uh i'm incredibly lucky to have the mother and father that i have who allowed me to have a childhood Mm -hmm. uh one that was one that was um, structured i mean they both was like you know you got to go to school you got to get good grades that's the those are the keys to kind of that's the foundation of of you trying to become you know something of value um and so he was it, for for them. It was you know you could kind of not do whatever you wanted, but it was what makes you happy. Are you getting good grades? Are you staying out of trouble? Then then go ahead and and do it. Um, but I like to I like to think though that the journalism kind of way that I that I passed was or that I took with a path that was a little bit of what you know a little bit of the analytical and. And, and the logical side, a lot of that is in uh, is in the law, and then a creative side of you know you get the right stories, you get kind of you know use a, use use some adjectives um, and and what you're doing and what you're piecing together. 
along with uh, you know the visuals and whatnot. So I think it was a little bit of a of a balance of of those two worlds, the creative and analytical, mixed together. Because you know, believe it or not, there are there are a a, a lot of journalists who who started out to be you know wanting to be lawyers and then there are a lot of uh lawyers who started out yeah. you know wanting to be journalists yeah 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 makes yeah. a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense yeah so yeah man that's that's you know that's really interesting man what about your mother how does she view the arts my mom is uh my mom is uh is is the one that was when you you nailed it when you said that my dad was a more analytical um, type of person. I just know that when I was little, you know, whenever it was time to put together the art project or the science project or anything like that, it was my mom who was uh, who was the one that was helping me along with that. Um, and then I can remember the the uh, you know you had to build the, the solar system <laughs> and yep. whatnot, you know, with the with the styrofoam and everything and the hangers. You know, she was up with me late at night putting that together. Uh, just a bunch of different uh, things. My mom is is. I like to think that I'm a, a healthy combination of, of my mom and my dad, where mm-hmm. I get my logic and reason from my dad, and I get my creative kind of free spiritedness from my mom. And, uh, and and yeah, my mom mom loves it. She's as a matter of fact, she's having a uh, a tea kind of like a tea day with some of her friends, and uh, she's hired me, and I'm I'm doing hired in air quotes. Um, she <laughs> hired me to, to shoot her uh, to shoot her tea her tea ceremony with with her and her friends. Uh, I joke that I'm going to send her a uh, an, invoice? an invoice, and she's like, "Don't worry, I can send you one." Too. <laughs> <laughs> and hers would be hers yeah, would be a lot, lot be a lot more than mine. <laughs> wow, she hit you with the trump card, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, so. That's great to hear that you had supportive parents, regardless of. Um, I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly lucky that way. Yeah, incredibly lucky. Yeah, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. And the reason why I ask that, I always ask guests that question, is because not everybody has the same experiences growing up that um, right. that are supportive, you know. And it doesn't mean, but you, we need to hear all the sides of the stories. We need to hear stories of people who had supportive parents. And what that did for them, and we need to hear how people whose parents were not as supportive, like what did they do in order to get around that roadblock so that they can actually still right. pursue their dreams, right? We, it's, it's, right? It's important to know both sides of the coin. So it's great that right. you had those, you, those supportive parents. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's very beneficial to, like you said, uh, hear, hear just, you know, because everyone's, road to wherever it is that they end up is it has their similarities but it also has the differences and i think the benefit of hearing you know all the different stories about how people got to where they are is to see how how similar their road is but also how different it is and how you can take uh you can you can take lessons from other people's journey and apply it to yours and and I think that's the beautiful thing about having a platform like this is that you hear from so many different people about, you know, where they've been, where they want to go and where they are. And you kind of apply, you can, you can steal, you know, you can say, well, that worked for them. I'm going to try it out. And oh, yeah. that didn't work. So I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay clear of that one. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned, uh, 
you were in Philadelphia, you saw this combo team, right, of a reporter and a photographer. You were like, yo, that's cool. I like what both of them are doing. That's mm -hmm. really dope. Uh, how old were you mm -hmm. at that point? Do you remember? Oh, man, that's a good question. I was probably, uh, I would say maybe like nine, okay. eight, nine, ten, around that area. So that and that was a yeah, so that was like a core that. that was a core memory for you. Oh yeah, most definitely. I I saw that and thought, and I mean, you know, memory memory is a little is a little weird, but mm -hmm. I do remember the guy had a pencil, mm -hmm. he had a notepad, he he like looked like he looked like somebody that was, <laughs> that you would think of like Central Cast. That right there was a reporter, and his photographer. He had the biggest camera that I had ever seen you know you at that time the internet wasn't around or anything like that so you think of a camera these either a little point and shoot camera or you know a professional camera and he had the biggest professional camera i had ever seen and i just was like oh that's so like it, it blew my it blew my mind hmm. yeah definitely definitely a core memory and the core memories are important man um I remember that. No, I'm not even gonna get into it. It was this Pixar movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot. I forgot what it's called. But it was all about core memories and how, as we get older, we make more core memories, and then we eventually start to push older memories out. Right? We can only mm -hmm. access but so much information, especially over a long period right. of time. Right? Um, and I right, remember. Right. So that's interesting for you. Around eight, nine, you had that core memory. I, I remember a core memory for me was. I had to be in like first or second grade and there was like this computer room in my school and I remember, you know, it was like one of those old Commodore computers with the green screen and the green type, it looked like oh, the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. I remember I would, there was some program, if you press like a, a, a letter and a number, you did a combination like that, this, the screen would spit out all these type of spirals and patterns and those patterns would change based on the combination of keys that I pressed. And I remember sitting there like my mind was blown. And ever and at that point I was like, I'm going to do art on a computer. I don't care what it is, how it is, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and then fast forward, you know, I, I discovered Photoshop in college. And I was like, I finally found that thing that I wanna do forever. Great. And that was that core memory for me. That's wonderful, man. I love to hear that. I mean, the the idea that you can find something that speaks to your soul, no matter what the that just speaks to your soul, is something that I think people, you know, can search their whole life and try mm -hmm. and find, and and sometimes don't get there. Yeah. And and yeah, to 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 find something that's like, you know, something that's not like you know having a kid or something like that, but mm -hmm. but. But something that that you can do to be like this is what I want to do. I have, I want to have something to do with this is is a great uh, is a great feeling, and that is a hundred percent the way I feel about uh, photography. Where uh, if I if I you know we all go through the slumps of you know not really feeling inspired inspired to do anything, but I feel at times compelled to just go outside or even inside and just make a photograph of something just to, to be able to, you know, stretch that or scratch that creative itch. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you had that core memory around eight or nine years old. At what point 
and you said, but you don't have a camera at this point, right? So at what point did you, as you got older, did you get reintroduced to photography or, or were able to get your first camera? Like what, like what happened between that time of seeing these reporters and photographers and then you were like getting interested in, in the craft again? Uh, I would say probably high school and, and it was just a, it was just kind of dipping my toe into it because, uh, I had friends who worked at a drugstore and they would just get the, they would have access to film. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a matter of, I would go there and they would get me a little, uh, I get a little point and shoot camera or, uh, some Polaroid film and pop it in my Polaroid or pop it in my camera or, or get a disposable camera. And I, I have shoe boxes full of, of photos from high school of me just kind of documenting us just being, you know, teenagers in the nineties. Uh, and, and that was my reintroduction to it. But even still, that to me was not something that I thought of, uh, even though I was majoring in communications and I wanted to be a, a journalist, I didn't connect the two as far as the, even, and I had that, that memory of the photographer and the, and the reporter those were two separate jobs. So I gravitated actually more towards the journalism part of like writing and whatnot and not so much photography. So, you know, while I was taking photos in high school and whatnot and documenting what was going on there, I didn't really connect the two as a, as a job. I wanted to uh, write for a magazine. Um, well, first I wanted to be on a radio uh, and radio was kind of on its way out. And so then I was like, well, I can write for a magazine. And then that also started dying. I said, well, then I can be on TV. And I mean, that kind of is how I ended up moving from, you know, one kind of space of journalism to the other. But nowhere during that time did I really think of photojournalism, which is such a peculiar thing because I was such, I was into photography so much, but never kind of connected the dots of photojournalism and, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how I, I guess I kind of hopped from one kind of part of journalism to the other. <laughs> you know, we were saying how some people don't um, ever get to find that 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 thing that's theirs. That you know, mm -hmm. um, and we all have we all have that thing or those few things that only we can do in our way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. what it sounds like, just hearing you talk about your journey, right? It sounds like you were putting yourself close enough to where photographers are, but still not mm -hmm. thinking or believing or, or even having the awareness that photography was an option, but you were still putting yourself almost right next to image makers, right? Yeah. So as a reporter, think, yeah. right, you're next to a photographer. Mm -hmm. Magazines is all full of pictures, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of times we know some of the things that we want to do. It's our mind that's not allowing us to believe yeah. in that reality. So we probably get so many different messages and clues and hints about what we should be doing, but we, we bat them mm -hmm. away because we're like, nah, that's not possible. I can't do that. Why me? Who me? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, he's saying that reminds me, reminds me that I was the historian when I went to college. I was the historian for... Um, our black students union and that involved taking pictures at the events 
documenting what's going on, uh, you know, making sure that everybody and the, on the board had uh, headshots because I think we had a website or at least we were trying to, it was very hard back then to, to get a website started. So I think we had headshots for just a, um, we would have a physical historic book that you would have that we would pass on from one, uh, one black student union to the other. And so it was my responsibility to document everything that we were doing as far as, you know, the different events we were having and, and, and all. And now I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just thinking about it now that that is kind of incredible that that was my kind of job at BSU. And I didn't even really put it together then that that was something that you could do as a profession. Bro. And somewhere, somewhere Wait. out there, there is a scrapbook filled with my amateur photography from college documenting the Black Student Union in upstate Pennsylvania at Mansfield University. So if somebody has that out there, I would I would love to see. Yeah, I was just <laughs> what, about to what, ask you where you go to school. What horrible pictures I was taking. I was just about to ask you where you went to school because, f funny enough, um, I went to school upstate at uh, SUNY Binghamton or Binghamton University. And oh wow! Yeah, I was I the historian place. on the student, uh, or not Black Student Union, but uh, we had a program called Jump Nation. We worked with um, at-risk youth throughout New York City. We okay. fundraise all year mm -hmm. to um, to then mm -hmm. bring these young people up and pair them with mentors, whatever. At you know the the, the uh, college students who are part of okay. Jump Nation, and I was the mm -hmm. historian of that. And this is still before oh, I even thought about photography, but some mm -hmm. the president saw something in how I how I moved and was like, Yeah, you should be a historian. I was like, All right, cool. I didn't take it as seriously <laughs> as I as I know I could have, knowing how important a historian's role is. But that little role, you know, let you know, put something in my brain that later on sprouted as well. That's really interesting. Yeah, and you know what I think, even if even if you don't Kind of, even if your brain doesn't connect the dots in the moment, I think it 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 connects the dots on something on a longer time scale. Like, you know, uh, uh, documenting the uh, Black Student Union, I think it informs, or it did inform how I moved within events. And I'm trying to take pictures and mm -hmm. not uh, not have people know that I'm there, or you know, different ways that you can kind of be invisible in certain spaces. I didn't know at the time that I was practicing for that later in life, but you know, I was, and I'm, I, I'd like to think that I'm just a tiny bit better at what I do because of that experience. Even though when I was having that experience, I didn't connect the dots, you know, right away. What's up family. If you're enjoying this episode, do us a solid by leaving us a five-star rating or reviewing the show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We appreciate the support. So on that note, we're going to get back into the show. Peace. Well, absolutely. Your experiences, I think all of our, as, as photographers, photographer is just a weird term to me. The more I speak about it, it feels more like a, a, a the, the term doesn't feel like it it fully captures what we do. 
right? And it's not to put mm -hmm. photography on like this grand scale or anything like that, but I think because the photographer is a sum of all of their experiences, right? That's going to influence how that particular phot photographer sees the world and documents it. So you coming from Philly and, you know, having an analytical parent and a creative parent and, you know, photographing events and then seeing news reporters, whatever, all of that, you know, culminates into you seeing the world the way you do and, and moving as a photographer mm -hmm. the way you mm -hmm. do. The same way somebody else Absolutely. who grew up maybe with fashion as as something mm -hmm. that was important to them. Or some people grew up with a lot of magazines in the home and they would flip through the magazines and that, that you know, helped influence who, it, who they would be as photographers, right? All of our experiences right. are different. Right. So, you know, I think that that all goes into who we are as photographers. Oh, yes. Uh, 100 percent. I think uh, it, for better or worse, I guess, uh, our experiences definitely, you know, color how we how we are seeing the world through our eyes without a camera. And then I think even Absolutely. more so, actually, with the camera on how you on how you document and how you, you know, how, how you tell the story from behind the lens. Absolutely. You know, um, so what really initially drew me to your work? You know, it was like your street portraiture work, and I think I was oh, on, I was on great. Instagram and I see I, I was seeing like you were doing like behind the scenes videos of you approaching mm -hmm. um, strangers on the street or photographing you know people on the street and making these really nice right. portraits of them, and mm -hmm. I'll you know also see that you present yourself a certain way when you go out there to make these images. So I felt like. I, this brother is tapping into something, you know, and he's doing something very interesting with the videos and then the type of people that he's photographing and the style. All of this right. stuff is just uh -huh. works together. You know, it goes together Great. very nicely. So that's something that I was really Thank interested you. in. Thank you. Yeah, for sure, bro. Thank you. Um, so I guess the question, you know, is like, how do you include your personality in the photos, you know, as a photographer? How do I, that is an interesting question. I don't, I actually don't know if, I don't know if I purposely uh, include my personality, but I guess, you know, by, by just the way that you take pictures, I guess I am including some of my personality in it. But, you know, whenever I see someone that is, that I just, you know, would like to make a picture of, you know, I think it is, it's a matter of, of, you know, it's what they are wearing a lot of the times that, that might catch your attention initially. But then it's also how they are wearing it. You know, are, they're wearing it and owning it. You know, whether they have pink hair and, you know, are and, and crazy colors or, you know, something that's very subdued. I think it's it's a matter of what someone is wearing and then how they're doing it that, um, that kind of draws me to that person. And then it's a matter of talking to them and just you know most times it's very quick you know it's something that i kind of come over uh you know i've been here for i've been here long enough to know that if you ask if you're talking to people in the street be quick you know be be <laughs> like straight to the point i like i like what you got on i want to take your picture can i do it yes no maybe so let's go and and so in that interaction i'm kind of figuring out kind of who they are 
uh, you know, 15 seconds of like, you know, oh, well, this kind of looks good. The way you're talking to me, this would like, this would look great if you kind of turn this way a little bit and, and kind of move that way. And, and then snap the photo. Um, one of the best, one of the best, uh, I don't want to say it's a review, but one of the best uh, responses that I got from a photograph happened. I think this was either last year or the year before, but I took a picture of these two skaters and one of the, the, the dads of the, the two kids or two guys that were in the shot reached out to me and asked if I could you know, give him a print of it. He ended up ordering several. And as I'm going back and forth with him, he's, he's talking to me saying, this is, you know, this is the best photograph of my son I've ever seen. And, you know, that, that's a, a great compliment. I say, oh, wow. Well, thank you. You know, I just saw him and talked to him for a few and took his picture. And then he wrote back to me and said, no, no, you don't understand. You, you showed a side of my son that I've never seen before. He looks so confident. He looks so, he looks so, uh, kind of like comfortable in his own skin. Uh, he just, he just looks a way that I had never seen him before. And, you know, he thanked me for the photo and I, I sent it to him and whatnot. And that was a few years. That was probably a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, and it sticks with me that, you know, this medium is incredibly powerful and that there is storytelling in it. And, and I'm just uh, really grateful that people on the street or people who hire me are, you know, willing to kind of let me help tell that story through photography yeah i mean you'd be surprised how many people we since you know we're professionals we hang we we know other photographers um we can geek mm -hmm. out about photography the technical aspects of what makes something good is the lens and the mm -hmm. light and the sensor mm -hmm. and the film and all this stuff right and we su we'd be surprised right. how right. many people have not had their photograph made by a professional and right. So, right, yeah. you know, we take it for granted, especially now that everybody has, you know, uh, mobile phones, that have cameras and, you know, mm -hmm. we're being photographed more and more than any other time in, in history, but not, yep. we're not all being photographed well. So when people are and finally photographed well, it stands out from all the other images that were made of them. Indeed, indeed. You know, I think some, I think some photographers and some people in general kind of uh, uh, grimace a little bit when you talk about the proliferation of cameras and how they're everywhere and everybody who has a camera thinks they're a photographer. I love that cameras are so accessible now. If, to me, if cameras were as accessible, you know, when I was a kid, I would, I'm pretty sure that my, the trajectory of my career would be would be a lot different now. Would it be better? Who knows? But it would be much different because I would have been introduced to this medium much earlier than I was. Um, and I think that's great because there's something about, uh, there's something about young people. No, there's something about accessibility that, that creates, uh, more that, that like, uh, that I'm trying to think of the right word that, that kind of feeds the seeds of creativity, mm -hmm. you know, when it's, when, when, it's accessible to a lot of people. You have a lot more. Now, granted, you might have a lot more garbage, 
but you also have a lot more innovation. You have people who are trying things that would have taken years to kind of ideate and figure out. And you have that happening within, you know, a year or two where people are being really creative with how they're telling stories on with, with photography. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. You know, the more, the more people that we have, you know, trying to, you know, make art with photography, the more it'll push us to be even more creative than we were a generation before. Yeah, man. Um, and it's interesting that you, you mentioned innovation, right? We had a, at a point in history where we can be super innovative, but your choice, mm-hmm. your equipment of choice is medium format film cameras, right? And there's yeah. innovation. Yeah. If there's imagination, there's innovation, right? Um, but mm-hmm. you also chose uh, um, your your current equipment also comes with a lot of limitations, right? <laughs> so what is what? So yeah. what is your reasoning for like? you know, choosing to stick with like the medium format film, you know, um, that whole combination. Okay. Um, yes, thank, that is, that is a great point about, uh, you know, someone who is espousing all of the greats, uh, when it comes to, you know, technological innovation with smaller cameras, accessibility, and I choose, and what I shoot on is very inaccessible. <laughs> the medium format camera I shoot with is one that, um, uh, it's called the, it's called the Roly SL 66. Mm-hmm. And it's a, beautiful camera um it's very very fussy though um you know you have to for my camera in particular i don't know if this is the way that all the cameras were made but you have to load the film in in a certain sequence if not it'll it'll destroy the magazine and whatnot um you you have to make sure that you that the, the shutter is cocked and locked before you open it to, before you open it to the camera to kind of change the uh, film magazines out and whatnot. It's a very fussy camera, but I like, I love the look of medium format. It's a very distinctive look yep. that um, even when you're shooting with medium format on digital, you don't quite get the, you can get pretty close to it, but you don't get quite the same look that medium format film gives you. Um, and, and I'm a little bit of a contrarian by nature, so I like doing things the difficult way or the, or the non-conventional way. And, and shooting with something like a medium format SL66 is just, uh, it's become, it's just become the way I work. And I really do enjoy just the process of, you know, looking down in the viewfinder, mm-hmm. composing the shot the right way. And, uh, clicking the shutter um it's it sounds like it almost sounds like a car backfiring Mm -hmm. but uh (laughs) but it's 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 my baby nonetheless yeah man i mean medium format film definitely has a certain quality to it that it's just you see people photographing digitally and then Mm -hmm. retouching it to mimic what 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 comes out naturally on the film I just saw a photo of, oh man, I, uh, I can't think of her name now. It's uh, it's escaping me now. But um, you know, Nina Simone. Yes. And she's in she's in Central Park, and she's sitting. It's an outtake of a magazine um, a spread she did. I can't remember the name of the magazine, but she's so isolated on this, sitting on this ledge of this lake in Central Park, 
and separated. It's her whole, it's like a full body of her sitting down, but she's so, so separated from the back and just so isolated that I saw that and thought, man, this is what, this is what storytelling can look like when you have uh, someone who is, you know, so good, or at least this is what I took from the photograph. I see her sitting down on this, on the ledge of this thing. And I see someone so good at their craft that they're isolating, that they're isolated, that, you know, what they do is so great that there's no one else really around to kind of like bounce what they're doing off of and whatnot. And I saw that and thought that is on that kind of photograph is only possible with a medium format at the time anyway, with a medium format camera and kind of having that, that, that separation. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that kind of shows how much I love shooting and, and looking at work that is shot on medium format film. I mean, there's an intimacy, right? Because you have to get, you, you know, you're not switching out lenses on a rollie, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you got to get a little bit closer, you know? And I think also mm-hmm. when I was um, dabbling in film back in like, I don't know, 2015, I, I was able to use a lot of different medium format cameras and some 35 mm-hmm. as well. Um, and what I realized was mm-hmm. people are, would be more willing to have their photograph taken by me um, when they saw oh, the yeah. film camera as opposed to just a, mm-hmm. uh, my phone or digital. And it, I, I, I guess it's That's more trusting because it looks more like you're a craftsman as opposed to you might be working for TMZ right, or right. something. Right, 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 right. Oh, 100%. Um, I, I'll... <laughs> Somebody was just some a friend of mine was just um, kind of busting my chops about this. Uh, I don't have a bad, I don't have a high failure rate when it comes to asking people for photographs, and that is whether I have my digital camera or my film camera or even my phone. Uh, out of if I was doing like you know a hundred times, I asked someone for a photo. Ninety six times they'll say yes. It's, it's kind of, I've said that a few times to people and it's kind of like, Oh really? And, and yeah, I, I just don't find it very difficult to get people to say yes, no matter what camera I'm using. However, I did, I do hear that it is easier if you have the film camera in your hand because people are like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. And think of like, Oh, okay. So you're, you're not just taking a picture with an iPhone. You're serious about it and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. so I think you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of photojournalists um, or guests on the show, a lot of street photographers, portrait photographers. Um, mm-hmm. I think portrait photography is really interesting because they're all they're all interesting, right? But with portrait photography mm-hmm. is a collaboration with oh, yeah, you definitely. and the person being photographed. Whereas photojournalism, you can be solo. And and not you you not interrupt the scene, but with with um, portrait you have to engage with the people in order to uh, get the image that you want out of them. So I would love for you to be able to describe like some of your strategies or techniques. Um, and for you, it may not even come across as that. It's just you being being um, yourself, right? But mm-hmm. for folks who do who, who who do have an interest in photographing people and street mm-hmm. photography, what are some 
quick tips, tricks, strategies that you can drop <laughs> so that people can be become better at taking pictures of people on the street? Sure, sure. I'll take a stab at this. Um, I I think that it. Like I, like I think it's a little bit of what I said before, especially here in, in New York. Um, I'm not, I've seen some of, I've seen some TikToks and I've seen some people do the uh, asking for, asking strangers for photos and it's kind of a bumbling, hey, I'm a photographer, uh, do this, you want to see my pit, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and while, I mean, for some people that works, um, that is not the way that I, I ask. I kind of am super direct with like, hey, you look great. I love your, I love your attitude. I like your fit. I like, I just like the way you are, you know, you, you, you know, something like that. And would you mind if we made a picture real fast? And for the, like I said, 96 times out of a hundred people say, sure. Um, and you kind of like, okay, cool. So let's do, and, and sometimes what I, what I have found after doing this for a few years now is that over the last five years, I would say people are much more, they know exactly what their good side is and how to pose. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of it's a little unnerving a little bit because you know I'll say all right let's let me take a picture okay cool boom and they hit their they hit the blue steel the uh, model pose like right away and sometimes that I I kind of coach them out of that a little bit but uh, but yeah I mean I, my advice would be to be you know your authentic self of course. But also, you know, tell, hey, you look great. Let's make a picture. I mean, it's it's that simple for me all most of the time. All right. So it sounds like I, I picked up on about four takeaways, right? Um, <laughs> okay. So hopefully folks out there who are interested in, you know, approaching people, this can, like, help you, you know, increase your hit rate, right? Um, so the mm-hmm. first thing mm-hmm. is if you see somebody who looks interesting and doing something interesting, you compliment them on that thing that's interesting, right? right. Two, you, you mm-hmm. invite them to collaborate. And I love the choice of words that you just used. You said, would you mind if we made a photo together? I love that because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, in the last few, we- last few years, there's been a lot of... Um, you know, awareness around the language, the predatory language we use, excuse me, when it comes to this craft, like we don't take, like people are saying take photos or shoot photos. Right. And mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. can, you know, can sound like it's a one-sided exchange. Um, shooting, right. we know, right. we already know we're, we're triggered, no pun intended, triggered by the word shooting. Right, right. Right? Absolutely. Here in America, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, and then, you know, for, for black photographers, you know, it can be even more triggering, right? So right. hearing you say the, that combination, would you mind if we made a photo together? I think that is great, and I hope that mm-hmm. you don't mind if people out there started using that term. Um, I don't mind it at all. Three, you direct them. And um, I think that's also important, is when a photographer knows what angle they're looking for, they know the, the, the they have a vision of how they want to make this mm-hmm. image, that lets the person mm-hmm. being photographed feel like, okay, this I'm in good hands. This person knows what they're doing, right? And then the right. fourth mm-hmm. one is to be your authentic self. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is because sometimes we might... I know for me, um, I still need 
I I can still improve on getting a higher uh, percentage rate on on um, you know asking folks for stuff, but right. I would watch yeah. some videos yeah. and 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 like t- top ten things to get street photos, but and sometimes or whatever it is I'm doing, right? I would I would watch some videos about it, and then I would go out mm-hmm. and try to do that thing, and I still have somebody else's approach and somebody else's process right, in right. my head so right. i start to become right. you know like uh is is it's not fully me because i'm trying to replicate something right. that i saw that i i thought was a great strategy but now how do i take that and make it mine and and, and approach and, people and, with my personality right and not only that when you're doing someone else's script that probably will will influence how you take the photo as well you know like if you not saying you specifically but but if if you're looking at, you know, whatever kind of tutorial there is on how to, you know, approach people on the street and you're not being your authentic self, I think it becomes harder to create uh, some art that, that you'll enjoy because you aren't kind of letting yourself be yourself to make that art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything. I mean, but you know what? That's also important in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's also important in the beginning, right? Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you take something that somebody else did, it worked for them, cool. You, oh yeah, yeah. You do a little bit because you, you know that if you're reciting a script, at a certain point you're gonna want to change it, and then right. once you oh, start yeah. changing oh, it, that's when you start feeling like, oh, this is my approach, right? And then, right, right. And then at a certain point, that person's, you know, pro- process just becomes a blueprint, and then you're just off on your mm-hmm. own, and you feel totally comfortable. But you know, we got to start somewhere. You know, and you know what? I also will add this to um, for number for number five is I not to say I don't care. I was talking to another friend about about this. It's not to say that I don't care, but if someone does say no, I honestly it does not do anything for me one way or the other. You know, if I ask somebody, hey, you know, can I take your photo, and they say no, okay, you still look fantastic anyway. It was great to talk to you, and you kind of move on. And there have been people that have said no, but I still, you know, have like a fifteen-minute conversation with them about their life, about what they what they're doing, or you know, why they are kind of you know dressed in, in the way that they are. But I really don't have any. Uh, as much as I do want to take people's pictures that I see on the streets, one I know it is one hundred percent their right to say no. I don't want. I don't want to participate. And also, you know, they're, they're, the city has a bunch of really interesting characters and things. Like, there's another, there, there'll be somebody around the corner that we can, that I can make a photo with. I really <laughs> have a thick, I have a huge thick skin when it comes to that. I really don't, don't, don't care if someone says no. That's great. I mean, that's a great approach. You know, um, number five, you know, not being phased, right, uh, by no. Yeah. Uh, because everybody has the right to say no. And then you just right. add, and and one I don't think I mentioned, um, I think you touched on it briefly, but uh, be interested in who they are. You know, yeah. that makes people more willing to give them a little bit of themselves to to the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And and I think uh, after doing this for for a little while, I actually think that that approaching people and talking to them and being interested in what they're talking about has made me a better listener uh made me a better partner made me a better son made me a better uh you know just human altogether because 
it's the act of actively listening to somebody. Uh, this is a stranger. I don't know. I don't know them from anything. So when I'm talking to them, I'm trying to figure out who they are. And, you know, I apply that to when I'm having a conversation with a friend and they're telling me about their day, they're telling me about maybe some issues that they're having with relationships or whatever the case may be. Uh, it, it is, you know, going out and talking to people and, you know, getting their photos and whatnot is, is in a weird way practice for me to be an active listener, to be a better person when it comes to, you know, the other kinds of long-term relationships that I have in my life. Fam, that's, 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 that's great. You know, and that's sort of what I feel with the podcast is like, I'm learning oh, wow. to be, wow. I'm learning to listen better, you know? Uh, and great. I feel like on, on like recordings, like now, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm paying attention to how I listen. It's funny. I'm like mm -hmm. out of, out of body experience where I'm like, I'm in a conversation, but then I'm also paying attention right. to how I'm, how am I <laughs> in a conversation? Right. And what right. other people yeah. who are listening, you know, I try to think about what other people might want to hear, you know, so I ask mm -hmm. questions from that standpoint. But then when I go remove myself from a recording and I'm with my friends and family, I feel like I'm actively listening better. And, and you know, so all around communication is just starting to improve. And I think that's like a, a great skill that, you know, um, I didn't realize I was going to develop. Yeah, yeah. And and another thing that someone said to me, man, I'm getting I'm getting a lot of gems from from friends. But, uh, you know, I was talking to them about my life as a as a TV reporter before. And, and I never quite thought about it until he said, that's why you are so at ease at talking to people on the street, because yeah. I had been doing it for I had been doing it for years. Uh, as a TV reporter, you have to go out and do these things called MOS, which means man on the street. Mm -hmm. And you just and you 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 honestly just go out and randomly just to see people on the street and say, hey, I'm doing a story on, you know, fill in the blank. What are your thoughts on it? And that's the kind of man on the street type of type of thing that you would do. And, you know, a lot of what you have to do for that is the same thing that I do for for uh, picture making, except the stuff that I was doing for the news was pure garbage, kind of like the bottom barrel of you know, journalism when it comes to, you know, something that is worth listening to, as opposed to the photography, which, you know, I think is, is has a little bit more value than randomly asking some person on the street about something that is, uh, that can be as complicated as, you know, local uh, politics or, or things like that. It was, the amount of times that we've done man on the street kind of stories for something that should not have been man on the street is kind of comical actually. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, I, I could see how having um, a whole career in like news reporting and speaking to random people definitely develops thick skin, especially in New York city. Right. Like out of all yeah. places, if yeah. you're going to learn how to talk to people on the street, New York is a great place to start. Right. <laughs> Cause you can go, yeah. You could probably take that anywhere and talk to anybody. It will, anything. it will, it will make you stronger, or you will die. Yeah. <laughs> one, or, one or one or the other. Yeah, seriously, New York is special, man. Um, but yeah. you know, one thing I I, I see also um, in your photos and in the videos of like the behind the scenes of you working with with people on the street, like you're mm -hmm. always put together. 
right? Um, you always okay. have, yeah. you know, um, you always dress pretty sharp, right? And oh, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank man. You for that. I mean, no, for sure, man. I mean, because it, to me, it looks like you're presenting yourself as like, you know, it, it almost feels like you are an identity, you know. Um, wow. And okay. and what I see is that it's like giving people you photograph an experience. And it starts with how you mm-hmm. present yourself. So if you present yourself the way that you do, you know, you have like the the brims, you know, you have the hats and, uh, and you're dressed in the sport right. coat. Listen, if I don't have to put on a sport coat, you're not like, doing that, I'm right? not putting on a sport coat. <laughs> and and the fact what? that you choose, uh, you yeah. choose, yeah. right? Which is, we're in completely different camps, man. It's not, and it's great. But I feel like that... Like I, I don't know. It feels like that is like a full service experience for somebody being photographed on the street. It's like, oh shit, this person that's <laughs> that sharp with a film camera wants to take my photo. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. You know, you know, there might be there there might be some truth to that, but I I selfishly dress the way that I do for me, just because I'm a weirdo who likes who likes nice fabrics, likes nice clothes, and uh, and whatnot. Now that part of it actually. I get from my mom. My mom loves, so my mom had, I have two older brothers and a younger sister. My mom definitely wanted a daughter when I was born. And since I was not a daughter, she was like, I don't care. I'm going to dress you up anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, I get that from my mom and, and I, I enjoy doing it. You know, what's funny is it's not, it's not something that, um, and I don't, I don't mind talking about it at all. Like it's not, any kind of weird thing I don't like to talk about, but it's, it's something that, uh, I do because I, I genuinely like nice clothes. I like nice shoes and, and, you know, uh, and, and linen shirts in the summer and wool suits in, in the wintertime. Um, it's just something that, that, you know, speaks to me. And I, I think maybe in some ways it does kind of add to the experience of, uh, of asking strangers for photos. It, it does help because I have had, it helps maybe not in the initial, uh, or maybe, or maybe it does help in the initial kind of conversation, but I've had several people afterwards see me and say, Oh wait, you took my picture. You took my picture at this time of the year when we were doing this and that or whatever. And I'm like, Oh yeah. So yeah, I remember you were wearing a night you were wearing like a hat and, and a tie and everything like that. So it does help with recognition because people definitely remember some some sharp dressed person asked them for their photo, however many years ago it was. Especially if most, not all, and you know, but most photographers we just dressed in all black, right? Like uh, at at leisure, you know? Right? Yeah, and you're Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm going to be seen. And I think that was really (laughs) was really um, interesting is that. What is it? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, yeah. Most of the time, because we're, we're when we're for photographing people, we look at these images when we get home, and we sort of get familiar with all the different people that we photograph because we see these images hundreds and mm-hmm. thousands of times. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but like you say, you you're, you're on a train, you're heading somewhere, and you see somebody that you photographed before, you oh, feel yeah. like you know yeah. them. Because you've yeah. seen their face so many times, 
but they don't remember you because yeah. it was so long ago and it was like a a, a, a quick thing. But for you for for you to photograph somebody and the person remembers you, that mm-hmm. to me is a difference. And that to me yeah, is, that's made, what speaks to yeah. the 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 uh the full service experience that they're receiving. Yeah, it's made the it's made the city a much smaller place because I've I've just I've, I've photographed probably hundreds of people now, and you know I'll I'll get people on the train. Uh, there's actually there's actually a guy that I see not off not often but maybe like a few times a year I'll see him walking around. And while we had a conversation when I first took his photo, and then the second time I saw him, he had said, oh, you took my, my, my photo over in Williamsburg. But ever since then, we see each other, and it'll be like a nod of, hey, I know you. Mm-hmm. And he goes back, you know, kind of like a little nod, and then we just kind of keep going on about what, whatever it is that we're doing. But there are several people that are like that, that I see, you know, every, maybe like every couple of months, I'll see the person that's like, oh, I took a picture of them, and they kind of acknowledge it and keep on, keep on going. It's, it's funny how it's made the, it's made New York, uh, almost a small town in a weird way where it's like, Oh, I know that person. That person works over around the corner doing this, or that's the shoemaker. That's the baker. That's, that's whoever and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, that's been, that's been pretty cool. That's great, man. And you know, I, I, from the outside, I feel like, that is like a, a complete package, right? Like the way you present yourself, the type of people you choose to photograph, the way you choose to photograph them with film and your medium format, um, you know, and then you see like, you know, just going through your, your IG page, everything just feels cohesive, right? And that's a great thing. Oh, man, um, thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah, for sure. Compliments um, left and right. I'll take, I'll take them all. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you got it, bro. No, but it, it, it's, it's truth, right? And I think that, that cohesion, you know, like I, I just saw like the series you did for the, um, the, uh, what was it, the New York Transit Museum? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right? one of my favorite things to, to do. No, that's that that looks like a that project was like perfect for you because of yeah like, the way you present yourself, right. And the type of work you make, mm-hmm. there's a nostalgia in your work because it's film. That's so automatic, automatically going to be instant vintage, right? Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then to to hire you to photograph people dressed in like these these um, period outfits that represent the you know New York fashion, you know, um, in like the 30s or 40s or whatever, right? Yeah, um, uh, it's a it's a mix. It's a, it it goes from the 30s up to probably the 60s with uh-huh. people uh, the kind of era that people are wearing. Yeah, depends on if it's a, it depends on if it's the ladies or or if it's the guys. Yeah, yeah, but the fact that you you were able to document these folks, um, you know, you have like that vintage style. You know, I think it's because Thank of like you. the whole package that's presented. You know, so I think that was like I saw that and I was like. That makes perfect sense to hire this dude to do that. <laughs> now, for for the uh, transit museum, that actually that's not a hired job. I, I know some of the people that that are in the vintage community, uh, and so we'll go. So we'll go out, and they'll be like, "Hey, nine uh, or you know, sometimes it's a Facebook group. Um, sometimes it's a like a little group chat of a, of a few of us." or text messages and whatnot, where it's like, oh, we want to go and ride the train. Let's, uh, let's, let's do it together kind of a thing. Um, now, I did shoot um, 
for I did shoot this. Uh, oh man, it's uh, the 20th Century Limited, which is also a vintage uh, ride, where a bunch of friends dress in period uh, outfits and ride the 20th Century Limited, which was a train that ran from the 1920s to I think maybe the 1980s. I think that went from New York to Chicago. It was like a super luxury thing. It's like the equivalent of what, you know, riding in a private jet would be today mm-hmm. is, is what that was uh, back in that time. And and doing that also is is a real a real blast because the people there, I, I compare it to when we do things for the Transit Museum or even this, this 20th Century Limited. It is like being in a museum, but it's a lie. Like it's a museum that you can interact with and that you can like uh, talk to the people and, and whatnot. And what's really funny though is that, you know, you see videos of people from back then. And you're like, wow, they move differently or, you know, like they, they don't even move like they do in modern times. And it is really the, the, it's the outfits, the outfits that you wear. They just, you just move in a really distinct way that, you don't move the same way when you're wearing sweatpants in, you know, 2023. Um, and it's like being in a, it's really like being in a living museum, shooting those, uh, right. shooting those types of things. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's a great project. It's a great project. Um, yeah. Thank so, you. you know, uh, so how do you see, you know, based on the type of work that you do, like what is, the next step was the next step of evolution for you. So I think I need to, uh, I need to put together a body of work and, and something that is tangible that people can, can kind of take away and have as their own. And that will probably manifest itself as a book or a very large zine. Um, I, I, I put together a book maybe about a year ago that was a project that was between my cousin and I and it had to do with the pandemic and me taking photos and pairing those photos with his poetry. However, the, the project ended up being a little too close to me because it was the first time my cousin and I had kind of been that close since we were little kids and it was something that I thought that I wanted, I wanted for just him and I or I just wanted for me and him and whoever else I decide to say, hey, look at this book that that I made. So that was supposed to have been out and people were supposed to have had it by now, but I am working on something a little bit different that will will, uh, put together a lot of the portraits that I do on the street and a lot of them that I've never shown before. So I'm putting that together as we speak. you know, writing a book or putting together something that you really care about takes a long time or takes some time. Um, but that's the next thing that, that I'm trying to do. And, you know, I, I it's a little bit of a humble brag, but I've had way too many people say, I want this. How come I, how come this isn't a book? And mm. so I think that, um, I think that I should probably do that if, if the amount of people who have been asking me about it have been asking for it. I mean, yeah. Uh, people calling for it, right? So, uh, you got to get got to get the streets what they want. Yep, to a certain point, <laughs> to a certain point, right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So, and uh, this question just came to me, right? But say, imagine you sure. find yourself 
on the block going to photograph some interesting people and mm-hmm. you see a little kid eight nine years old looking at you and your camera and their eyes are wide like yo what is that thing in his hand like what is he doing with that and you make this connection with this mm-hmm. kid you could tell he's interested mm-hmm. what is something that you would tell him i would especially if i have the camera that i have the Roly sl66 i'm showing them how it works you know i'm letting them or her or them uh look at the look at the uh, viewfinder you know show them that you know you click the shutter the mirror slaps up and exposes the image for you know a millisecond uh and i let them make some pictures of it and then bring it back to them when it's when it's done um i have some nieces and nephews that i've showed my camera and done that exact thing with where you know this is you know, this is the 21st century. Nobody, no sane person is walking around with a medium format camera. So, you know, not only are, you know, adults like saying, what the hell is that? Of course, a little kid is going to think this is the weirdest thing that they've ever seen in their life. And that might spark the creative juices on them to be like, oh, wow, you know, photography isn't just on my phone. You know, you can do it with these different tools that have been around for literally a hundred years. This is Naeem Douglas and you're tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned into this episode. Thank you for listening. The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at blackshutterpodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.